This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Called Out is our series that we're starting today, and it's also the theme for this year. And I wanted to start off by saying, happy birthday, City on Hill, once again. It's a brilliant, like, can you believe just the, the faithfulness of God? And I, I want to extend a, spe, a special welcome to those of you that are watching us online. Um, so w- wonderful having you with us. And we'd love to hear from you. Comment in the sections below, share, and get in touch with us. We'd love to connect with you. But as we are um, coming together today, every single year we have what we call a Vision Sunday. It's the opportunity for you and I to reflect on what God has said but also to cast a vision of what is the preferred future that God has for us. I mean, you, if you're in business, you know, the whole reason why you do what you do is the why, not the what. No, I sell cars. No, why do you sell cars? Like, people don't come to you because you've got a product. They come to you because you have a passion. You, you, you're solving a problem that exists within it. And for us as a church, as we cast a vision, we've, God's been speaking to us now, you know, for the last 14 years. The vision hasn't changed. Our vision is a GR. We exist so that we can see our cities transformed and the nations discipled, and so that people who are far from God can become the light of Christ. That is why we exist. That is our vision. We want to reach those who are far from God. And last year, our theme was stretch out. Do you remember your, your little gray armbands you got? Did you experience some stretching? Some of you are like, I experienced some stretching in other places. But, uh, but all of us experienced some stretching in 2022, I'm sure. And that was really our, our theme. God gave us this scripture last year, Isaiah 54. It says, enlarge the place of stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Remember, friends, our vision is we want to see cities transformed, nations discipled. We saw this last year, God reminding us that He wants to stretch us out so that we can reach those people, that, so that we can make an impact in, in not just Clarksdorp or Potchefstroom, but actually Orkney, Stilfontein, the whole Kosh, of, Kosh area beyond. If you've ever driven, I don't know if this happens to you, but this happens to me all the time. If I'm driving down to, you know, George, many of you, when you arrive there, I'm surprised that, that people don't come back from there saying, the Lord said, I must move to George. <laughs> it's, not, it's not so difficult. You've got, you've got to think about this. I certainly experienced Jesus' presence this morning during our worship. And, and just one of those key prophetic words God's been spoken over us that I, at our very first meeting, our very first Sunday gathering on the 2nd of February, 2009, there were, I think, about 30 people in the room at the time. Many, many different nations and people, churches from all over the country and even the world that come to, to be there for that day. And we have received this very key prophetic word that said, you would not be known for your name. You will not be known for your association. You will not be known for the things you have or what the things you own, but you will be known by my presence. And friends, that's what we are contending for. This is what we'll always be hungry for. This is the thing that we will always be wanting you to encounter. And when people come in, I'm trusting that that's what you experience. As much as we do obviously work hard on our facilities and we do steward the things that God uh, places in our our hands and we make sure that we are effective in 
making a difference in the society. We want to be a people that wherever we go, we are salt and we are light. We bring about a change. We preserve and we, we bring out the best flavors, but also we shine. We bring out the God colors of this world. And so our theme for this year is called out. Last year was stretch out. This year is called out. And I hope you received one of these armbands. Uh, I, I just love it. This is just something, a tradition. You know, if there was ever a tradition that we did as a church, this is one of them. And, and what we found years ago, the very first time we did these armbands, our theme for that year was favor. And so we had different guys, you know, a little just written out favor. And we had some guys in our church who were part of a sales team. And one day they were having a sales meeting and they looked at the board and everybody that's now made sales for the month. And, and the one guy in the, in the group said, sorry, where can I get one of those favor bands? Because everybody that's wearing a favor band is on the board. And everybody that doesn't have one isn't on the board, isn't making sales. Now, now this isn't a cosmic genie. This isn't going to open doors for you. I just want to, but I want you to see the principle. When we are obedient to what God is saying, when we tuck into His plan and purpose, not only for us as individuals, but actually for us corporately, things begin to change. Things begin to happen. God places us in positions and grants us opportunities that will transform our city and impact lives. And that's really what it is all about. Now, you see on your band that, that the scripture for this year is Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And I'm going to read for us from Mark. And um, it says the following. I'm going to read from verse 16. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further down up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called out to them at once. They also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Friends, Jesus is calling out to you and I today, just like he did these disciples. If we look at the, the gospel of Mark, and this is going to be our journey for the next six weeks, we're going to share with you uh, a daily devotional that you can actually work through. There will also be some wonderful material you can work together in a small group. If you're not in a life group yet, make sure that you go to the board at the back there, get someone's details, send them a text, or stop by the info desk. We'll help you find a place, but it's important for us to be together. But what's amazing for me to see is that Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, and without going into too much detail around the book itself, this letter was written uh, by John Mark or Mark, but it was actually Peter's account of Jesus' life. That's an important thing for you to see. He's sharing what Peter was sharing uh, as truth. And so Jesus is coming in, he's come on the scene. We see John the Baptist prepares the way for him. And then Jesus has this moment where he is baptized, just like we saw this morning. Being baptized in water. And as he came out of the water, the heavens opened. And this voice, the Father, speaks his pleasure, his approval. 
over Jesus and he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Friends, this is a significant moment and throughout this, this series, we're going to be looking at moments where Jesus, where people were in Jesus' company and heard him preach and saw the life he was living and they were astonished and they were amazed. The, the gospel of Mark is actually a, a wonderful tool or resource for, for those of you that perhaps are new to your faith or you wanting to get to know Jesus, it's a great, great starting point because you get, you get to the nuts and bolts of who Jesus is, what he taught, and what he did. And so what's interesting for me to see is as Jesus comes out of the water, God the Father speaks to him, the Holy Spirit leads him into the, into the desert to be tested and tempted by the devil. He comes in the power, out of the desert, the desert, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the very next thing he does is he walks along the shore. And he calls out some very ordinary men. Ordinary guys. Simon and Andrew. James and John. Fishermen of no real reputation. And you might look at your life and go, well, I don't have much. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Kardashian. I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, I don't have a lot of funds or money or standing in this world. I don't, I, I'm not even a professional, really, in terms of a doctor or a lawyer. Or, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm a single mom working two jobs, trying to provide for my family. Perhaps you, you're sitting here today and you're a business owner and you've got employees working for you and you're like, well, that's, that's, that's a lot of responsibility to to take care of, I want to tell you, just like Jesus called Simon and Peter out of their business, out of their lives, he's calling you and I to follow him, to follow after him. And what's interesting for me to see is that these ordinary men made an extraordinary difference in the world. Am I right? You and I are sitting here today, even as we read the, the letter of Mark, Peter was personally involved, and so as you and I study the scriptures for the next six weeks, we are going to be impacted by an ordinary man who chose to hear Jesus' call to follow him. And so there's this quote I wanted to share with you today. You have no idea how one immediate act of obedience to Jesus' call to follow him can change not only your life, but the lives of others around you. You see, friends, Hebrews says that you and I Well, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if Jesus is calling his disciples to follow him, if you and I are disciples with him, then then the call is the same. There's no difference. And even as you read through this passage, I want you to encourage you to, to begin to think in that way that God's not just speaking. It's not some history thing. It's actually the word of God speaking to you and I. And it's living and active, and God wants to empower us to do so. Now, I have to ask this question. If Jesus says to them, he's walking, and he says, come follow me, do you think they maybe thought this question, like, where are you going, Jesus? Have you ever thought of that? I mean, if someone says to you, come follow me, often, I mean, if I'm driving, I'm I'm just, my personality is like that. Just where are we going? Where are we going to be? Where are we going? And so, if we look at Jesus' life, I think there's something that we can see in where he was actually going. What was the purpose 
for his life, where was he going, and where was he calling his disciples to follow him to? There's a beautiful account in Luke chapter 15. Now, when we look at Jesus' life and his parables and, and teachings, he often told these parables. Often, one parable would have a specific and significant meaning. It would have a way of explaining something of what the kingdom of God was all about and how you and I um, are supposed to live or the nature of who Jesus is or what God wants us to experience and, and, and also how he wants us to live. But then there were a couple of very few um, accounts where Jesus would use two, of this, uh, two different parables that have the same meaning, very seldom. But only once in the scriptures do we see Jesus telling three parables that all three have the same meaning. Maybe they can switch that. Well, thanks, Letitia. I think everyone's like, what's that? So Luke chapter 15, verse 4 to 10, it says, What man of you, this is Jesus speaking, he's telling this story, and I'm going to tell you the first two, and then I'll, uh, I'll read the first two, and then I'll, I'll give you a bit of a summary of the last one. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it up on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Jesus continues to share, he says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus begins to tell the story of, of the son who found himself in the father's house, but chooses to say, I want my inheritance now. Basically, he's saying to his father, I, I, I wish you were dead. You're still alive, but you, you're dead to me. Can I just get what I want, what I need right now? And you, many of you know the story. He goes off into a foreign land. He squanders it spends it on sinful living, and eventually comes to his senses where he realizes that because he had taken matters in his own hands, he's actually worse off for it. He's poorer than he was before, way poorer. Never mind the, the, the fact that he's squandered all of his wealth, he's actually no longer in the presence of his father. And so he comes to his senses and makes his way back home, and the father is waiting for him, eagerly expecting for his return. And obviously, as you know, there's, there's the older son, and there's a moment where the father restores him, but the older son is um, upset about that. But it's interesting for me to see, as we look at these three parables, if we analyze them a little bit more, and we take a bit of a deeper look at them, I want to ask you this question. Who in this story, for all three of them, represents God? Who is in the wrong place? And who is in the right place? If we look at the first parable, who represents 
God in that parable. If you look on the screen, you can see the notes are there. God is, uh, the shepherd is God. Who is in the wrong place? The one sheep. Who is in the wrong place, or the right place, I mean, the 99 sheep. If we look at the woman with the coins, who represents God there? The woman. Who is in the wrong place? The one coin. Who is in the right place? The nine coins. And then by implication, if we look at the last one, we see that the father represents God. We have one son that's in the wrong place and one son that's in the right place, even though in his heart he's not in the right place, but he's in, in the father's house. Now, if we had to look at these three um, parables, which direction does God's attention go? What is he most concerned with? Who is he most concerned with and where is his heart moving towards? Towards that which is in the wrong place, the one that is lost, the one that has been removed from his presence. And so by implication, friends, for you and I, we need to see that if that is what God, if that is where Jesus' heart is going, if that is where Jesus is pointing, then that should be where we're going. And so it's as if Jesus is on his way to the lost, to find the lost, walking along the sea of Galilee, and he turns to you and I and says, come follow me. Called out, come follow me. Where am I going? I'm going to that which is lost, that which needs to be found. Friends, there is, it's actually sad for me because I realize I've, I've been in, in church for many years and, and I, I, my concern isn't always on the lost. My concern is, is often my comfort and my convenience and, and how I can kind of work things that, you know, my blessing is going to come if I fast, if I pray, if I, my breakthrough is coming. I, I, can, I, I can be so consumed with those blessings that God gives us that I miss out on the mission that God has given. Remember, friends, this is our Vision Sunday. For this year, God is calling us out to look for that which is lost. And if we can keep that at the forefront of our hearts and minds, and I'm trusting that as I share with you today, that you and I would be encouraged and equipped to be able to do that effectively. Now, I heard a story recently of a, of a young man who had heard this message, this he read the scriptures and was in a, in a church where he was told about Jesus' heart for the lost. And so he, just 17 years old, made this resolution. He, he decided that he was going to go to school that day, and the very first person he lays eyes on, he's going to invite to his life group. So he arrives, uh, his name's Marcus, as he arrives the first person he meets is, is a young guy by the name of Daniel. Now, Marcus is, is a bit more of an introvert. He's not used to speaking to strangers. It's not something he does. But because he felt compelled by God's Spirit, and just as Peter and John and James and, uh, you know, James and Andrew, you see throughout the, the book of, of uh, Mark and in that account, they, they responded immediately. At once, they did this. So for Marcus, he does this at once. He does the first thing he does, first person he sees. So he meets Daniel. And so he meets Daniel. Hi, Daniel. I'm Marcus, we haven't met each other before. Um, I'd love to invite you to my house tonight. Oh, great. Yes, that sounds great. It'll be awesome to have you here. This is what time it's happening. This is the address. And they part ways. 
But Marcus neglected to tell uh, Daniel that it was a Christian uh, gathering that was going to happen. Daniel thought he was being invited to a party. So Daniel tells the story of how he, that night, before going to Marcus's house, got himself all dressed up in his best shoes for dancing, in his best clothes that would, would really, you know, fit him well, even got a bit of aftershave, even though he was young, but, you know, just to impress the ladies a little bit. And he was eager and excited about this party he was going to attend. So he arrives at the door, knocks on the door, and to his surprise, Marcus's mom answers the door. And immediately he's like, whoa. His mom is at the party. She must be a very, very liberal, very open-minded mom that allows her son to throw parties while she's at home. <laughs> and so he makes his way into the house and, and finds himself, you know, there's about eight or ten other people there. One person has a guitar, and, and he is like, this is a strange party. This is a bit weird, you know? And in the back of his mind, he's like, well, I'll, I'm here now, so let me, let me kind of go with it. The people are friendly, you know, the food's good. I think this is, will not be a bad way of to spend my time. And so as the evening went, they spent some time reading the scriptures. They spent some time just being able to sing some songs and worship God. And then there came a moment where the group had to pray together. And so he, he dutifully, I mean, Daniel had never been to church before, never been to a light group before, doesn't know any of this. He's completely unsaved, unchurched. And so he dutifully closes his eyes along with everybody else. And then as they're praying, he realizes that they're taking turns to pray. <laughs> and he is like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to have to say, one minute, I can't say anything. And he says before he knew it, he just blurted out the words, Listen, my, my grandfather has been diagnosed with cancer. And it's in a very, very advanced stage. And I, I wonder if we could just pray for him. Sure. And immediately the group came around him, prayed with him, encouraged him. And that was the end of the meeting. They kind of said their goodbyes. And, and Daniel went home that night thinking, yes, that was a weird, weird party I've just been to. <laughs> But you know what, friends? A week later, while Daniel was at school, his mom phoned him. And she had very urgent news to share with him about his grandfather. She proceeded to tell him that his grandfather had gone for tests and they had found no trace of cancer in his body. He was completely healed. And immediately he asked his mom, but mom, when, when did this happen? When did he go for the test? It's like, well, your grandfather went for the test actually the day after he had gone to the life group. Friends, you and I should never underestimate how our lives can impact other people's lives because Daniel then excitedly tried to find Marcus at school and told him the story. And Marcus invited him to church that next Sunday, and that is when... Daniel gave his life to Jesus. And today, Daniel and Marcus are both missionaries in Asia. One is in China, and, and Daniel is actually working in the red light district of Thailand. Friends, his life was transformed because someone was willing to obey Jesus' invitation to say, come and follow me. Now, 
I realize, friends, that this life and sharing our faith with people is sometimes not as comfortable as we would like it to be. It's not easy. And often we come to know Jesus. We begin to follow him with, with faith and with passion. But then through different experiences, maybe we feel like we mature a little bit or we become you know, a, a little bit more distracted. We start having kids. We don't have as much time on our hands. We begin to follow Jesus more and more at a distance. Initially, we're close to him, just like Peter and John and, and, and Andrew and James, closely following him. But as life goes by, we begin to follow him more and more at a distance. You know, this actually happened to Peter. You and I are not alone. We see this in, in Mark chapter 14, verse uh, 54. And this is where things begin to shift in Jesus' life because now he's setting his face towards Calvary. He's about to go and die on the cross. His disciples are looking around going, oh my gosh, how is this going to end? I thought we, we were going to have, you know, rule nations and have thrones and this is going to be great. And now Jesus is on his way to be killed. And the writing is on the wall. And so it says in verse 54, it says, and Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. And as Peter was uh, below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, seeing Peter warming himself. She looked at him and said, you are also, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway and the rooster crowed. And the servant girls saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke curses on himself and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crows a second time. And Peter remembered Jesus' word, what he said, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Friends, as I read this this week, I, I was so cut to the heart because I, I've had so many moments when I was just like Peter. Where I've had moments where I could share God's love and His perspective and, and even pray for someone. And I neglected those moments. I didn't take the opportunities that were presented to me because I got distracted. I more and more wanted to follow Jesus at a distance because I was more consumed and concerned with my comfort, my standing, and what people may think and say about me. But friends, today Jesus is saying to you and I, no, come and follow me. Follow me closely. The beautiful reality about Peter is that even though he, in this moment, denied Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected, he was restored by Jesus, and as we know, he followed Jesus closely for the rest of his life, even to the point of being crucified upside down for his faith. Never again, Peter made a decision, never ever again will I 
wane? Will I create distance between myself and Jesus? Because before this moment of denying Jesus, if someone had to come up to Peter and say, hey, do you know Jesus? He's like, yes, let me introduce you to him. Let me pray with you. But as time has gone, I don't know him. Friends, as a church in this year, and for every year until Jesus comes back, and we keep this at the forefront of our vision, that we set our hearts on that which is lost, and not just looking for those of us that are safe and sound. I want to close with a story about the, the Titanic. Many of you know the story, but the Titanic was the largest man-made vessel, actually object at the time when they constructed it. It could hold or, or take 2,201 passengers. But in the middle of the night, in the, in the midst of its journey from England to America, it struck an iceberg and began to sink. Now, what you and I need to realize is that from the moment of impact to the moment when it finally sank under the water and disappeared forever, it took three and a half hours. And what was shocking to, to realize is that they had lifeboats on board. And for a large part of the of that time, the, many people just weren't put onto boat, lifeboats. You see, friends, many thought this isn't going to happen, it's all fine, we're going to be fine. But many realized the danger and began to make their way to the lifeboat. The sad reality is that these lifeboats could take up to 70 adults. But within the first few hours of this incident, this, this calamity, this collision, most of the boats that were lowered only had 30 to 12 people on board. Now, what makes this even worse is that because these boats were half full, and because people were so concerned about their own safety, those who had been saved, once the boat actually went under, chose to row away from the shouts for help, even though there was space in their boats. This was the second tra tragedy that happened that night. People that had in their ability to save others chose to look the other way because they were too concerned about their own safety. I'm safe. I'm going to be fine. But what about those? Only one of the lifeboats, lifeboats that were, were left actually returned to pick people up that night. It's a tragedy of tremendous proportion. And, and in a way, it's a picture for me of, of our, our modern-day church today. We are so happy and content with the fact that I know Jesus and I have a relationship with Him and I can trust Him and I, I have His Word and I can come together and, and sit and hear God's Word and experience His presence. But I have no concern for those who are lost, those who are dying right now. And I was shocked to see this, and, and I heard this, this story told by a, a, another preacher which really encouraged me. He told me about a man by the name of John Harper. John Harper was 38 or 39 years old. He was a, uh, he was a Scottish evangelist. And he had chosen to board this 
boat, the Titanic, to make his way actually to America to eventually end up in Chicago where he was due to speak at some crusades and, and some evangelistic, you know, revival type meetings. And so with him was his daughter, six-year-old daughter, Jessie Ann, or Annie Jessie. And so they were one, among the first to actually respond and realize, listen, this boat's going down. We've got to get off of this boat. We know that they were one of the first to enter these lifeboats because they kept very good records of everybody that entered into the different boats. But something very strange happened. As John Hopper approached the lifeboat, he took his six-year-old daughter in his arms and he he held her tight and he said to her, I love you, my girl. I'm going to see you in a little while. And he handed her over to those who were in the boat, making sure that she was safe. And then in that very instance, his mission changed. At first it was making sure my daughter was, was fine, but secondly he realized there's a mission that's just, even though he was on his way to the other side of the world to tell people about Jesus, he now had a very real job, a very real reality at hand. And so John began to go from cabin to cabin, yelling out and screaming out and calling out, get to the lifeboats, women, children, and those who do not know Jesus, get to the lifeboats. And he did this for a number of minutes, probably a few hours. Eventually, it became clear that this boat was going down and everybody was going to, that was left was going to die. And so he changed his call. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Eyewitnesses account that as these lifeboats that had space for people could see this terrible calamity unfold in front of them, hearing people's screams for help and agony in the icy water, they could hear the voice of a man shouting above them all, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. About a year after this tragedy, they had a, a reunion with some of the survivors. And one of the first people to speak was a young man. Uh, his name was William John Meadows. And William shared how he, at 17 years old, or actually he was 19 years old, had found himself not on a lifeboat, the boat's about to go down. And he thought to himself, yes, I had my whole life ahead of me. And this is how it's going to end. I'm going to miss out on so many things. And miraculously, by God's grace, he found himself holding onto a piece of debris. And the currents at one point drew him closer to a man who he could see and later on was, was actually identified as John Halper. And John asked him, young man, do you know Jesus? And he was a bit what do you mean? Like, this is a bit of a strange question to ask me here in the middle of nowhere in the freezing cold. And he didn't really know what to say, but in that kind of moment, uh, they were separated again, and, and he was really thinking and contemplating, looking at his life, realizing that the end is very, very near. 
And the current brought them back together again. And, and John Harper asked him again, young man, do you know Jesus? To which he responded, I, I don't believe I do. And John Harper said to him, believe then in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That was the last time anybody saw John Harper alive. Because moments later, one of those, that one lifeboat that returned, picked up William. And he shares in his testimony that he was saved twice that night. Friends, you and I are in our lifeboat. If we're followers of Jesus, we have at our disposal the life of God. And Jesus is calling us. He's calling you out. He's saying, calling out to you, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And in this year, friends, I, this is my prayer for us as a church. That we would seek and save the lost. That we would use every opportunity that we have. Every conversation. Every prayer. Every little bit of finances, resources, time, treasures, talents. That we would be able to see that end happen. Because friends, we don't know when will be our last. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Oh, you know, if you die tonight, what will happen to you? But it's the truth, friends. Eternity without Jesus means that we're separated from the Father and we do not have access to Him any longer. It's over. And if you're here today, I want to say to you, if you are like William and you don't know, really know, if you are saved, I'm extending the lifeboat to you today. I'm inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to love for us to stand together as we, as we close. If you're watching us online, I want to encourage you to let us know if you are, would like to put your faith in Jesus. We'd love to just minister to you and connect with you there. But for those of you today that you know that you know that your life with God isn't right, you're not right with God, I want to ask you to be bold and to come to the front. It's not something I do often, but I want to ask you to come to the front because this is serious, serious stuff, friends. This is life and death. And if that's you this morning, I want to ask you to, to come to the front. I see some people that are beginning to make their way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, music team. Anybody like that this morning? You're putting your faith in Jesus. Gentlemen coming down the aisle now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well done, my friends. Come to the, come. Love to embrace you, becoming part of God's family today. Friends, I want to encourage us to enfold and envelop people like this man be looking out for them and I believe that even though you might not see yourself as a quote-unquote evangelist you and I can pray that God would anoint us that we would be effective witnesses for his kingdom and so can I ask you just to open your hands there where you are let's pray Lord Jesus I pray for every hand that's raised right now I pray for your church city on your church Lord that we would be a people who seek and save the lost, Lord. 
We are being called out not for comfort, not for our, uh, <laughs> our own safety, but we're being called out to follow you to where you're going, Lord, a lost and hurting and broken world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege of partnering with you. Thank you for the fruitfulness we've seen in these last 14 years, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the impact that comes as men and women respond immediately to what you have called us to do, Lord. And as we go from this place, Father God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit in such a way that we would know you, Lord, and make you known. That we would be carriers of your presence, Jesus. That we would be people that shine our light, Lord Jesus, and, and permeate and work ourselves into society, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that lives would be transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.